Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Needs, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hi, Susan. How are you this evening? Oh, enjoying the cold. How about you? Oh, yes, we are also enjoying the cold and snow. And snow, yes. 
There was words that snow might be headed my way, but I haven't seen any yet. Mm. Yeah, we've had it all starting to stick. It's been snowing all day, you say? It's snowing all day here, and it's supposed to start up again and then snow most of the day tomorrow. Okay, wow. Mm-hmm. Here comes winter. Glad okay. I got my socks out. Glad you got what's that? My socks out. Oh, your socks out. Glad I got my socks out. Yes, I've been going barefoot. Yes, yes, for sure. I thought you said fox, and I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> My socks, the you know, those warm things you put on your feet in the cold weather. Definitely, the ones that I've finally gotten out, too, along with my gloves and my hats. <laughs> and scarves, let's not forget the scarves and coats. That's right. That's right. So what have you been up to? What remedy have you used this week? Oh, my goodness. Of course you would ask that. Well, I actually have had some goatee troubles this week. So I've actually been in remedies that involve even the sixth step of medicine. Um, so I, my husband actually noticed first because he opened the barn for me on, what day was that now? Saturday. And uh, one of the weathers was under the weather and um, not the one that was born this year and castrated here, um, but one of the two-and-a-half-year-olds. So he, at first we thought he was, like, gassy and colicky and then um, unfortunately realized that, nope, he has stones. So urinary stuff, of course, not when I mean stones. And... Um, so remedy has been community <laughs> first because I called um, a few friends, um, including my neighbor who doesn't have goats but has horses, and her horse that came over who doesn't treat ruminants but had goats in the past, um, and she gave me some ammonium chloride. And then I spoke with the vet at what's um, one of the animal hospitals here that's about an hour and a half away, and he said, "Was that was that ammonium chloride homeopathic remedy? It was not. a drug. No, it was a drug. It was okay. a drug. It was a powder. Mm-hmm. All right. So I mixed that um, and had to give him that. He was, um, you know, he wasn't. He was. He was critical enough that he needed treatment for sure. Um, the vet, the emergency vet, um, is in Wisconsin, the closest I could find. It was so interesting. Like any vet I called that did large animal or small farm animal, like it was such an insult if I asked if they did goats. I was like, oh, I don't do ruminants. Um, I know the goat is what? like right, right in between there. It's not a horse. It's not a cow. It's not a dog. Right, right. So one man said, you know, well, you, if you bring him to me. And I'm like, oh, that's really difficult um, with the transportation. I have, um, I I have, I have always get. put my goats in the car and taken them to the vet on the rare occasions when I've had to do it. I have never found a vet that would come out. Yeah, so that if it comes to that this week, um, I will be doing that. He told me, he asked, is anything coming out? And I said, yes, there are drips. 
And he said, well, as long as something's coming out, he said, we would be doing the same thing you're doing there. And I said, how often? So I've been using my remedy of the week as a tablespoon of ammonium chloride every six hours. And then I have also been giving other remedies. Um, I went and maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. Um, I just went and bought fresh parsley and found it fascinating that only the two male weathers were interested in the parsley, especially the one having the issue. Um, the other goats had no interest in it. So I just gave him as much as he wanted of that. And I did have some herbal remedies like uva ursi and corn silk. But um, the idea with the ammonium chloride, the vet said, is that it is not fast acting, but over several days will dissolve the stones. So my 4-H um, friend resource said, if you're willing to go down there and do some massaging, um, that could help. So I did do that last night, and it was amazing the amount of stones that came out. Oh, my gosh. Um, Kidding. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, She thought, you know, she was trying to tell me how to get it unsheathed, and I I did not do that, nor did I really struggle to, because I didn't want to cause any inflammation or irritation with that. But I could feel through his abdomen. You know, I was imagining what it looks like when they're in, in the mode of getting it on, and I could feel in there, and I could almost feel like what felt like a tangle and so I kind of focused on that and my husband was helping hold him at that point um just so I could really like get under there and feel what was going on and it was better without looking just feeling and um yeah their friend was here from next door my neighbor and she was like we have to catch it so I caught it and we couldn't believe what had come out and so we got another bucket to make sure that it really was coming from the goat and not something that had started out in the bucket and yeah but it was amazing like the crystals oh my gosh they're not crystals they're stones <laughs> um and so now is urine clear and or yellow no more blood tinged and um he's not in pain seemingly anymore he's like doing normal stuff and eating but the flow is not fully restored so I'm still giving the ammonium chloride remedy um and parsley and then I have also I poulticed down there with some warm compress um before I gave him the massage (laughs) so that's been my last few days since Sunday (laughs) wow So interesting, yes, and, and we may end up going to Wisconsin, but for now, the flow is still continuing to increase, so we're knockwood on the right track. Yes, that is fantastic. What would they do in Wisconsin? Oh, my goodness. So the next thing they can do, I guess, is give that instead of by mouth, they can give it intravenously or something or, you know, by IV or by Injection mm-hmm. or some mm-hmm. some other way of giving that. Um, how, I too, far, how far no, away I is Wisconsin, that, how far away is Wisconsin? It sounds like really far. Is it like hours and hours? No, it's not. It's an hour and a half away. Um, and it was more then that it was Sunday, and he, there's one vet, and I said, and he wouldn't come here, and I said, well, what if someone else needs you that's close by? Do you leave there? And he said, yes. I said, so I could come there, and you then or somewhere else, and then we're waiting. And he, when I told him I had the ammonium chloride, he was like, have that brought you that, and you have it? And I said, well, that's really, he said, why don't you just start with that if he's got, you know, something coming out. So, Good. Good. 
Yeah. 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 So I was grateful for that because um, yeah. my friend who has been there with a horse said, you know, you would have brought him. He would have stayed overnight. And then, you know, they probably wouldn't have been right. doing a massage. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's, oh, yeah. You know, it's that. that- it's that big leap that you've just made into, I really can take care of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And knowing, like, when to set the limit. Like, I love your, you know, set a time frame or set a limit. Um, so, you know, if the next morning I had gone in there and the blood had been back or, um, you know, it didn't seem like it before. I, I'm hoping it's still good because now I'm at this point where it's like I think a lot has slowed out and I'm not seeing any, like, what look like contractions anymore. So I don't want to keep trying to manipulate it and get more out when there's no more to come. Um, right, right. I'm just going to leave the night. Yeah, yeah, because he's yeah. happy and good, eating. So, is he eating? Um, yes, he is. He is. And, and ultimately, just to answer your question, if I did take him there, they would give, if, if it was totally blocked, they would give a local anesthetic and um, nip the tip is what they call it. Whoa. And that's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I guess, you know, better than letting him die of it. But Exactly. Exactly, exactly. But definitely, so, you know, all, all the way to deep medicine there, pretty pretty deep, pretty deep. That's very me, deep. I've, yeah, so. Me, I've been planting bulbs. <laughs> bulbs and bulbs and bulbs, bulbs and bulbs. I said, listen, you cannot buy more than 500 bulbs. That's it. That's the egg, exact most that you can buy because you will not be able to plant more even with help. And we have them almost all planted. There's maybe... Mm, 50 daffodils left. Wow, you must have all the colors of bulbs imaginable. (laughs) Well, you know, there's so much. Where I live, everything is eaten. Mm. So I have to get, you know, like 50 of one thing to get three or four to bloom. Wow. Yeah, because the voles and the woodchucks and the deer, everybody wants a body of garden around here. Now, granted, you can have a garden, you know, behind a huge fence. Mm-hmm. But really, you know, like, I've done it. I've had gardens behind fences. Now I want gardens without fences, and I'm just going to have to, like, roll with it. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> the creatures appreciate that. <laughs> and a lot of the ones of the bulbs that we planted today were very small. All right, they were bulbs the size of a, a pearl onion. Mm. Yeah. So it was wow. pretty easy, you know, to scatter them throughout my herb border and tuck them in. In time for the cold weather. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it seems right on time, of course, because I remember last year you saying it needed, you needed to have the first frost, right, and then do the bulb? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, so, uh, yes, I look forward to the beauty of the spring as that mm. unfolds before us. And uh, 
I made a, a, a big wide pot, um, which was kind of a little herb garden in itself this summer, which I enjoyed. There's a, a bright rosemary in it and a, a regular sage, a salvia, and some sweet woodruff. And, of course, Chickweed decided that she would grow in it, too. And I said, welcome, welcome, very much. And that has mm. successfully transitioned inside. The Chickweed's a little like, really? It was so nice and cold out there. How come it's hot now? But everybody oh. else is very happy. So I'm glad to say, you know, that if you want to, you know, and so, as I said, it's a pretty wide pot. It's like maybe, I don't know, like 14 inches across. So there's room for uh, for the different plants in there. And, of course, if you're imagining them, the rosemary is very tall, the sage is medium height, and then the the um, sweet woodruff is, and the chickweed are trailing or creeping. Mm-hmm. So they each have their um, own place that they can hang out and be happy. Oh, fun. What a lucky set of plants on the side and live with you for the winter. Always so much fun to see, you know, what's what's going to survive that kind of rude move into the limited light and dry air of inside. Yeah. Yes, I am not very successful at making the, those moves with plants. I really am not. I'm not. I don't. That's why I don't have a lot of outdoor plants that come inside and then make the transition back. I just, oh, I don't know. I don't. I'm not going to beat myself up about it, but it is not right. something I have thought about yet. <laughs> right. It's it. That's what's so much fun about gardening is there's so many different ways to do it, and you can mm-hmm. really. Make it suit you. Given, you know, all the mouths, I, you know, have, you know, pretty much abandoned harvesting anything but weeds from my fenced gardens. And I garden in containers up on the decks. Mmm. So beautiful. I've yeah. seen it with my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, we're just so, like, like every, everything, and it's great. It's great. And some of the predators that ha- haven't been here for a while have returned. Fisher cats. Um, Martins, the mink numbers are growing. Um, you know, bear walked right up to my house and, like, made off with a suet cake. I'm like, you're supposed to be hibernating. Go to sleep. Oh, wow. Right, I try not to put it out when the bears are out because it's... <laughs> Not a good thing to get them habituated to doing that kind of stuff, right? No. Where's breakfast? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Don't want them to think that uh, it ha- there's food here. Oh, no, no, no food here. No, that would, that would not be a good walk in the woods. <laughs> well, let's see. Who's our guest tonight? Charya Sunya Sunia. She's the first female lineage holder of her distinguished Vedic tradition. The founder of the Awakened Self Foundation. 
and she has a top-rated podcast called Shadow to Self. Her most recent book is Roar Like a Goddess, Every Woman's Guide to Becoming Unapologetically Powerful, Prosperous, and Peaceful. She'll be with us at 9 o'clock, so hang out with us until then, or come on back. That's 9 o'clock East Coast time. Anything else you want to share with us tonight? Oh, wow. Thank you for offering. I feel like I've shared a lot, and um, I'm good. Thank you. Anybody with questions? Yes, we do. We have uh, two callers that have pressed one to raise their hand, and we also have uh, two emails um, if we have enough time to get to either of those or both. I'll remind everyone listening, if you have a question or would like to speak live with Susan this evening, press one so we can see your hand in the queue. And there are three callers with their hands raised. The first is dialed in from the 917 area code. From the 917, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. How are you? Feeling very energized. How about you? Me too. Snowing here, so that's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, my question is about cholesterol, and I'm a little bit confused about it, and I wanted to hear your thoughts in, I guess, sort of a general sense, because I'm realizing that basically all of the foods that I eat and depend on for nutrition and protein are foods that are deemed high cholesterol or cholesterol-raising foods. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if I have high cholesterol because I haven't checked, but mm-hmm. I don't suspect, don't suspect it. But I just am confused about it, and I just wanted your opinion and your uh, wisdom. Okay. Cholesterol is one of the most critical nutrients in the body. The brain is highly dependent on cholesterol. During a child's first three years, the more cholesterol they get, the bigger the brain's going to be, the smarter they're going to be. Do you remember the, the thing called Tinker Toys? Do you ever play with Tinker Toys? No. I'm sorry? I, I don't know what that. I'm, you're breaking up so that I can't hear what you're saying. Oh, sorry. I, I don't know what that is, no. Okay, well, Tinker Toys are wooden toys, and they are, consist of, let's start out by saying, very small bagel-like circles and colored rods. And the very small bagel-like circle has holes in the edge of it and a hole through the middle like a bagel. And it's about the size of, oh, you could just about get your thumb and finger around it. They're not real big. And the rods are different lengths and different colors. And if you had that set, you could use it to make models of different kinds of hormones. And, of course, the hormones are the messengers. The hormones are telling, oh, you know, well, this needs to happen and that needs to happen. 
And at the heart of every hormone is cholesterol. The round little bagel thing is cholesterol. So to ensure that your brain has plenty of cholesterol and your body has plenty of cholesterol to make hormones, your liver makes cholesterol. There is also cholesterol in food. We could go on from there and talk about foods that are high cholesterol, foods that are low cholesterol. We could talk about family histories of how much cholesterol the liver makes because that varies quite a bit from family to family. But I'd like to take a step back and repeat what someone said to me, which really made me open my eyes. And this was an MD who said this. And what was said to me was, firefighters are always at fires. Do you blame them for the fires? Hmm. Cholesterol heals tears in the blood vessels. Hmm. It doesn't build up. Unless there's a tear or a spike. And what actually causes those tears or those spikes is in part bad fats and in part not moving. Right. Sitting still causes the lining of the blood vessels to stiffen and to dry out. Mm. And so it's kind of like when your skin gets stiff and dry, right? Mm-hmm. And then you use it and it cracks a little bit. And you put some kind of balm or ointment on it to heal that crack. And that's what your body does with the inner lining of your blood vessels. And the ointment that your body puts on it is cholesterol. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So if there's enough of those breaks and there's enough cholesterol there, that actually builds up into like a little bandage called a plaque. And it actually starts to interfere with how easily the blood can flow through that blood vessel. Right. So... My experience of talking to people about cholesterol is it's an extremely rare individual who can actually change their total cholesterol score by not eating foods that contain cholesterol, which would include shrimp, lobster, a lot of things. It's not just red meat, for instance. Right. That said, everyone does better with less red meat in their diet. 
So that's kind of an easy choice. I'm not going to be concerned with cholesterol per se because full-fat milk, full-fat yogurt, right? Seafoods, these things are whole foods and healthy. And red meat in moderation. Right. How often do you eat red meat? This year we had two baby bucks. And we don't keep weathers, so we are eating both of them. Mm -hmm. This point we've eaten maybe with other people in attendance, maybe 30% of the amount of those two. Mm-hmm. And should we be invited someplace that is serving that, we would eat it. That is serving red meat, we would eat it. But we don't buy it. Right. So if someone has high cholesterol it's more of a signal of another of another issue, a hormonal issue, perhaps, or like you know someone that has. No, we didn't even talk about high cholesterol. High cholesterol, according to exactly. Who That's that was another question I had. Is like that scale doesn't seem fit for um, most people because I, I do know that they lowered it uh, the spectrum so they could prescribe more cholesterol medication well I have certainly myself personally heard a cardiologist say to a patient let's up the amount of statin and see if we can get your numbers lower and what's wrong with that statement what's wrong with that statement is Lower numbers do not translate into better quality of life or longer life. It's right. a numbers, the numbers chase. So what's really critical is inflammation. In fact, the studies linking cholesterol to stroke, heart disease, cardiac arrest are not really strong in terms of it being cholesterol, but they are very, very strong in terms of it being inflammation. Mm-hmm. So then the question becomes not what are you eating and how much cholesterol does it have, but what are you eating that's inflammatory and what are you eating that's non-inflammatory? Mm-hmm. Drinking the nourishing herbal infusions is a great way to stay uninflamed. Yeah. I mean, I see it over and over again, the women who come to apprentice here. And I'm thinking especially of uh, the woman who apprenticed last year who, you know, within the first week, I wasn't sure that she was physically going to be able to make it because it seemed like, you know, any mosquito that bit her, anything that happened, you know, any little thorn that scratched her, her body just raised this just huge defense and welts and just, it was awful. 
to see. And I said, you know, just keep eating this anti-inflammatory diet and keep drinking your nourishing herbal infusions. And we could see, you know, not just week by week, but day by day as she reacted less and less until by the time she left here, she could, like most of us, watch herself being bitten by a mosquito. And although it itches a little, it doesn't cause much of a reaction. Right. And Linden, of course, being one of my favorite anti-inflammatories. And you think some of that inflammation is passed on through families? Is that what you were kind of saying before? No. I said that the amount of cholesterol your liver makes is familiar. Ah, I see. That makes sense. Yeah. And especially... um, I think, having to do with how much sun, direct sun, that family would have gotten. In other words, do they come from a place where it is like around the Mediterranean, really brightly, brightly sunny? Mm. I find that those People that I've met, their children, their grandchildren, and so on, tend to have very high cholesterol. And diet does not influence it because it's being made by their liver. And while it is lowerable with statins, so long as there's no inflammation, it hasn't been a problem for any of them who've decided not to take statins. Hmm. And I'm talking about cholesterol well over 200, 300, 350, 400. Interesting. Cholesterol-lowering foods, are there some that you, or do you not think of it quite in those terms? There are lists of cholesterol-lowering foods, absolutely. The one is included in my uh, a Healthy Heart course. Mm. Cool. Which, which is at wisewomenschool.com. And it's divided into three parts. One part deals with cholesterol. It's its focus, um, you know, herbs and foods and, uh, you know, some some – Everything I've said tonight, in addition, a lot of other stuff. Great. So that's the next place to go to find out more. And to make it really simple, whole foods diet, right? Right. Right. Yeah, it's, it's not like you have to know anything or follow a list. Whole food, hi, whole foods diet, got it? Got it. Got it. Good work. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. All right. So check out that course at wisewomenschool.com. Dream blessings. Good night. (laughs) Thank you. All right. We have callers that have pressed one to raise their hands with questions. Our next question is dialed in from the 646 area code. From the 646, you are live with Susan. 
Hello. Is there someone there? In the 646, are you there? Hello. Hello, hi. Hi, Susan. Um, Nice to speak to you again. Um, I love all the work you do, and I just wanted to say that first of all. Um, I wanted to ask, please, um, about... I heard a few weeks ago you talking about corn silk infusion for bladder mm-hmm. issues. Uh-huh. Uh, I, uh, upon your recommendation, a few, um, probably a year or two ago, I made some corn silk tincture, but I haven't uh-huh. yet strained it off. It's been sat there for a good year now. Would the corn silk tincture also work as well as the infusion? You'll have to tell me. Ah, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, and I'm I'll, excited uh, and interested to hear. Okay. So, so give it a whirl uh, and, and give us yeah. a call back and let us know. Okay, I will do then. Uh, great stuff. Um, and then the other one was, um, do, have you ever made um, a Shisandra berry infusion? Yes. Okay, and how is it? Is it, is it, does it taste good? Is it... Um, does it, it taste good? Um, I take my Shisandra in a lot of different ways. Okay. But infusion is not in my list. It's not that it tastes bad. It just is so... Well, it's called the five flavor berry, right? Okay. So there's all these different things going on in your mouth, and it's just, um, I love it as a tincture. I love it as an oxymel. My favorite, of course, is I put a layer of shisandra berries, a layer of fine salt, berry salt, berry salt, and the whole thing just kind of like melts into this pink liquid that I use as a condiment, and then I'm left with half a jar of really salty shisandra berries, which I sprinkle Ooh. on food. Yeah, oh, like, wow. oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, I'm so, not <laughs> So, you know, I, sh- yeah, yeah, sure, and shisandra infusion, no problem. But okay. since... Since I'm mostly working with the fresh ones, I've just found a lot of other fun things to do with them. Ah, okay. Okay, so I'll um, I'll give it a, a try. Um, I'm actually going to make some electuaries soon, um, and I was thinking of maybe grinding some of those up into a powder um, with some other herbs and um, trying that. But, yeah, okay, I'll let you know how I get on with the um, corn silk tincture. The corn silk tincture. Isn't isn't it fun to mess around with plants? It is, and I, I love going to the supermarket and the strange looks that I get from the staff when I ask them if I can have the uh, the leftover corn silks from the sweet corn, and they're like, "You want this?" <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I like that. Yeah. And I just think of you while I'm doing it. I think, oh, Susan Weed would love this. <laughs> I would love it. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it reminds me of the, the the weed walk we took in Florida, and in order to see some weeds, we got off the main highway and went into an alley, 
and somebody called the cops on us because we were in the alley. Right, no. six or seven people, you know, wandering around looking at plants, obviously, you know, threatening. And when the cop car called up, one of the students, a very wild man with a wild red beard, was just about to point out a passiflora, a passion flower. And the oh, yeah. police car parked right over it, so he got down on his belly and crawled under the car to see this plant. <laughs> oh, I love it, love it, love it, love it. Yeah, yes. people uh, so, do look very strange. Thank you, wild time. men, for pursuing the plants so passionately. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll take care. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Good night. All right. And remind everyone listening, if you've got a question for Susan this evening, please press 1 so that we can see your hand in the queue. At this time, we have one caller with their hand raised and a couple email questions. From the 845, you are live with Susan from the 845. Hello. Hello. Hi, Susan. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm enjoying the white gold falling from the heavens. The, The great mineral fertilizer snow. You know, uh, I'm a little embarrassed. The last time we talked, I I said I didn't like rain, but what I meant was I I, I like rain, but I like it to be pretty and crystals and fluffy and... (laughs) (laughs) Fluffy rain. (laughs) And light, 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 light cholesterol. Light cholesterol, right. <laughs> so I, I could say a million things, and I do want to talk about seeds, but um, talking about cholesterol has always gotten my interest in you, above and beyond all, all subjects, because I know you went to open-heart surgery and held your most beloved beings in your hand? Uh, no. No. I'm not you exactly sure what you're else. saying. Maybe I'm misunderstanding what you're saying. Um, I have not gone through open heart surgery at all. No, not you. Well, you said you went through, is no, what I heard you, you say. You, your beloved. And my, yes, my sweetheart had a bypass surgery, but that does not open the heart. That's not open heart surgery. Oh, you know... Open uh, heart surgery would be a valve replacement, um, you know, the implantation of a pacemaker. Yeah. You know, those are a... I, I had cut the heart open to do that uh, with a coronary heart. artery bypass, a uh, cabbage. Yeah, I know about that. Yeah. Right. Okay. You don't open the heart. It's not open heart surgery. So I, I I I do apologize. I thought for some odd reason you had the benevolent privilege of holding a beating heart in your no, hand. No, absolutely not. It was the surgeon who said that, that. That sounds crazy, right? It was the it was the surgeon who said that. Oh, it, somebody it, did. You know, way back heart. in the way back, way back, uh, you know, people were allowed in operating rooms, but that hasn't been true for quite a long time. Oh, yeah. Uh, my father... Except in obstetrics, you know, cesarean sections, yeah. fathers are 
are often allowed in. But my, uh, my father's the, wife the was a reign of mothers observing their kids' tonsillectomies is pretty much out. <laughs> yeah, well, I did that when I was five, and it's the only right? major surgery I had. Yes. Um, yes. What? Good. Yeah, I didn't say good. I said I hear you. Oh. Yeah. No, not good. Anyway, um, the cholesterol thing, um, mine, like, was always very low and then shot up uh, in, like, the second half of my life. So I'm almost 60, and um, it's not 200, I hope, yet, but it just keeps going up, 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 up. And I was reading about seeds. Lowering cholesterol, and I know you have an Ayurvedic uh, guest tonight, so I'm very excited to see what she has to say about that. And uh, I really like the Indian spices, and I've been using um, lemongrass to lower inflammation, and um, I've tried all kinds of things, and to me, this tastes like gold. It's just like the yummiest thing my body wants and I feel decorated in its glory. I, I don't know if you can speak on lemongrass at all. I'm generally not um, taking any food outside of my uh, microclimate, but uh, I do like lemon. Uh, and, uh, and the thing is, it, it's supposed to kill this... Um, hmm. Uh, candida type yeast uh, I forget the Latin name Albicans or something uh, S. Albicans and um, I'm really finding great results in lowering inflammation cholesterol uh, blood pressure uh, all the things that might happen with anxiety and stress and uh I, I'm very interested in killing, like, fungal infections and stuff. I always thought a biofilm was bacteria, but it turns out it's this fungal thing, and I don't get vaginal infections. But I remember calling you and saying I had it, like, in the crotch of my thigh, uh, you know, uh, leg, you know, portion, I thought it was from riding my garden cart because I can't walk still, like 14 months. But uh, And then I had it under my breast. And uh, it just, I, I think I killed it with this lemongrass. And, well, maybe not killed it, but, like, took it downtown to where it, it can't live anymore. So that is my question at the moment. <laughs> Please. Do you have a lemongrass plant? No, but I was looking into how to do grow you have it. A market, do you have a market where you can buy lemongrass? No, I don't. Do you? I was like only dry. Uh, yeah, yes, I do have a lemongrass plant. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's very oh. easy to grow. Very easy really? to grow in a container. It's grass. Oh, my God. I'm so into growing these things. Like, I have it's so part- easy. I'm standing right next to it right now. I love the smell of it. How big totally is it? Totally love the smell of it. So it can, you know, easily be in your micro microbiome. It can be right there, you know, in your kitchen. I have to do it. Right? Yeah. And 
Wow, oh, just smells so wonderful. So, how are you, how, what form are you getting it in? How are you getting the lemongrass that you're using? Oh, I, I'm almost embarrassed to say, but I'm not. I'm going to tell you the story really quick uh, because I can't walk and I'm alone. I bought a microwave, but a really expensive, like, high-tech one. I forget the name, but it's good. And um, in 90 seconds, I can take this bag of lemongrass and lime rice and heat it up. Actually, 90 seconds is too much, like 60. And I, it doesn't. I can't have wheat germs or like husks or anything unless they're like totally ground up into powder, like psyllium or something. And even that, that's a high like oleosaccharide or some shit like that. So anyway, so that's how I'm eating it. And then with the uh, the uh, the dry. And, but I don't have the fresh, and everybody keeps saying, you got to get the fresh, you got to get the fresh. So I think the fresh is fresh. So let me let me see if I'm hearing you correctly. You have, in the right. you have lemongrass that's in, that's in rice? Did you say something yep. about rice? Yeah, I did. It, it comes in a pack it with rice. It's like this Indian food. So it's lemongrass and rice. Mm-hmm. And, and you, I pop it in the microwave. You put it in, your, you put it in your microwave. Do you put it in your microwave? Yeah, I tear the back to open. dehydrate it, do you put it in your microwave with water to cook it? I'm kind of at a loss. No, it's all it's already like sort of like cooked, I guess halfway but freeze dried and then you just crumble it like while it's in the packet. You tear it uh-huh. open like two inches. You uh-huh. put it in there for up to ninety seconds, which is too much. It's gummy, but you can do it like for like seventy five. Oh I so it's a meal, so you can microwave the meal. It's in like a yeah. packet that you and microwave oh and it has lemongrass in it. And I can eat it for breakfast. I can eat it when I feel sick. I can eat it feel when I feel sad. I what can, an ideal when, way to do oh the lemongrass. That's wonderful. I, now, traditionally, this is what turned me on. When you get when you I buy lemongrass right. at the market, it's the root yes. of the lemongrass that someone that actually used. Yes. I used to hate it. Like lemongrass and cilantro always tasted like soap me like like this really like ugh. and now it's like oh my bleeding heart I will die like smelling this I just love it cilantro lemongrass <laughs> all those Indian herbs oh and don't get me started on the seeds oh my goodness oh my goodness oh my goodness the seeds so I just made a whole pint of uh, uh, artichoke seeds. What do you call them? Uh, milk thistle. Milk thistle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Milk thistle seeds, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And then I'm eating lots of cumin and coriander, but the seeds, you know. And right. I have a, I have a plant of parsley so big, it's taken up my Florida chair, wicker, double sized. It's just sitting in the whole thing, and I eat from it every day, every day, and, I, and it still just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. 
The more I eat from it, like the bigger and bigger it gets. So I said, well, you Plants are meant to be browsed, and the more you browse them, the bigger they grow. Oh, my goodness. Susan, it's a self-warding plant. It's only like two and a half gallons. And I put one little mushroom container of uh, parsley, Italian parsley seeds in the spring. And then I put it into this pot, and I've been eating out of it all year. And I, I make everything all day, every day. I eat the, I eat at least what you said, a half a cup a day. And when I say half a cup, I mean I take probably like 12 long stalks that are like 16 inches long, and I cut up the stalks and the everything, 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 until I have like half a bowl of parsley. And then I put my other food on top of it. How easy! All right, mm, yum. I really do like that it sits outside and gets all that natural goodness from, you know, dirt and rain and sunshine and whatever else is out there. Like we it's all so special, isn't right? it? Really, so special. It's so easy. You just have to have the right pot. Like the right growing pot, you know. Like I can't water all the time, so I do that. And there's a little reservoir at the bottom, so if there's no water, it just sucks it up. So what a how, crazy! How wonderful! Yeah, well, what a crazy summer we had, right? No water. No water here. I haven't gotten frost. All this time, till I don't even think till just today, or last night, or yeah, last Sunday. night was the first killing yeah. frost, yeah. really the real hard, hard frost. But I hadn't gotten even a light frost until then, so I'm really enjoying the fact that it went from that to snow, and it was 70 degrees on Saturday. <laughs> so about the seeds, the milk thistle, the milk thistle seed, such a great anti-inflammatory, and it kills fungal things like the albicans thing. I was saying the the candida, which I always thought like if it wasn't coming out of your vagina, you didn't have it. But no, 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 no. So I started doing the lemongrass and the milk thistle, and I feel, like, so much better. I can see my intestines are working better. My stools are coming out better. Everything's better. Wow. May I suggest suggest that this has absolutely nothing to do with candida? Yes, you may. Please do. Because I'm like grass. I, th- I think the whole candida overgrowth thing is one of the bigger hoaxes. I don't like the thought of it at all, really. Biofilm, threads of microbial things in my intestines. I'm not. I'm not quite sure who you've been reading, but I do well, know. I know. Do I know that it's reading. that it's an unlikely to be really square with reality. 
there are a few situations in which I have actually seen a candida albicans overgrowth in a person. And I will tell you that in every single one of those situations where there's truly been a candida problem, that person has been dead within the week. And not because of the candida, but the dead of whatever was killing them that allowed the candida to grow. It's a real end stage kind of thing if it happens. It's not happening to ordinary people who are having this problem or that problem. What you have stumbled upon is something that was gifted to me through my questioning. When I first got interested in alternative medicine and alternative healing, and I had um, the opportunity to meet elder healers of a wide variety of things, herbalists and chiropractors and um, hands-on healers and uh, hydrotherapists, mm-hmm. just, just sought out different people, but of an older age. And I asked them a series of questions, one of which was, if you had to tell me to pay attention to any one organ of the body, what would it be? And every single one of them said the liver. I was just going to say that. Milk thistle is a known tonifier and yeah. nourish to the liver. When the liver is working right and the gallbladder is working right, then you bet you're going to be more regular and you bet your stools are going to be happier. And all those things you were saying... I think it's because you nourished your liver. Okay. Which is an absolutely valid effect of milk thistle seed. Milk thistle seed as an antifungal to kill a fungus in your gut? Uh-uh. No. Pretty unlikely. But I do study the antifungals because I live in a fungal environment. Mm-hmm. Like... How are you taking your milk thistle seed? Oh, the only way, 100% proof vodka. Uh, I only You're taking it as a tincture. Well, that's not the only way. You can also grind it up and add it to your food. Well, I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying that if that's what you're doing... You know, if I was going to do anything with a seed, and uh-huh. then, can we segue into the seed uh, segretary here? <laughs> okay, so cumin and coriander um, and mustard I, seed I, 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 and I was, cardamom. I, I was I was thinking how I liked to eat when I was a child, and it was greens and seeds. Always my favorite with maybe a little fromage on top, melted or something with a, with some grains underneath. Okay, great, but mostly just greens and seeds. And what kind, uh, the, what kinds of seeds? What kind of seeds did you like? I like them all. I like all the seeds. Are you kidding me? I like my favorite is the black and the red lentils, and I like okay. almonds. I like almonds, too. Um, I like all the things that I probably shouldn't like because of where I live in a dry, humid condition. <laughs> but I like milk thistle, too. Yeah, I like, yeah, I like absolutely. Do you know you can take pumpkin seeds and 
take them green and just grind them up and make like a slurry, which is like a fake omelet in case you can't have eggs. And you could put all your nicey stuff in there and just make like, or whatever. Like I love sesame seeds. I love tahini. I love all the seeds. Oh my gosh, the cardamom, the cumin, the coriander. Oh my goodness. Don't get me started. What's your favorite seed? Well, I do like all of the aromatic seeds, including, you know, fennel and so on, and partly because the aromatic seeds are so wonderful for digestion. I know. They are. They're the best. And they just, they're they're so easy to include in our cooking and to just give that little, like, you know, pat to the food as it goes along the digestive process. Like, you know, here you are, food, and here's your seeds to help you go along your way. A little and bit. Especially the way they do it in, in Indian cooking, which is yeah. to throw the seeds into hot ghee and to cook them until they pop so that they're really, um, you know, roasted and the cell walls are broken and you can get into some yes. of what, what they have to offer, yeah. A whole handful, not just a sprinkle. Right. Yeah. And in Italian cooking, oh, my sauce, I always put in a handful of fennel seeds in the tomato sauce. And everybody's so happy. And it, it it's so sweet. And when you cook it, it, it turns into this sweetness, like, like every other, I guess, plant or vegetable. <laughs> There's something special to the way fennel can be a subtle flavor because we think of it as such a powerful flavor. Well, I don't. <laughs> no, you don't. You know how subtle it is. <laughs> I, I think of it like Rice Krispies or something like you know. <laughs> Oh, oh! I, I love uh, the bulb too, but I could never grow it because I don't have the right soil. Well, a fennel plant popped up in my herb garden, but okay. I only know about it from little stumps of the leaves left from the woodchuck. Oh, the woodchuck is still there. The woodchuck is still there. Isn't it time to hibernate, everybody? Goodbye, bear. Goodbye, woodchuck. Hmm. What do you know about woodchucks? Uh, Is that a mommy trying to, like, take food home, or what is it? I ate a woodchuck once. (laughs) You did? I did. And I actually helped to dress it out. Which meant that it went from, you know, like... A dead animal to meat. And I was incredibly impressed with the amount of guts in that animal. The biggest stomach I've seen as per the size of the animal. Really, the stomach was like, was the animal. I said, my gosh, a woodchuck is merely a walking digestive machine. When you say guts, you mean stomach and intestines or both? The stomach itself was enormous, but the stomach and the intestines taken together were... Because uh, people eat the intestines, right, of animals? Like, 
like the the animal, you know, it's just like everything else is dwarfed, and there was so little meat, you know, like really, yeah, like a fuzzy fur, but no meat. There's like all a big just rat. Taken, like a big up rat. With, taken up with digestive organs. I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> you, get, you get just about the same amount of meat off a squirrel, you know. I was oh, like, yeah. really, like, we're just like not worth it. <laughs> Well, a lot of animals to deal with to get not too much reward. So, you know, I do not think well of my woodchuck who eats my plants and does not let me enjoy them. But we're kind of, you know, they're neighbors who don't think well of each other. What can we say? You know, I'm living here and the woodchuck is living there and the woodchuck is going to eat my plants, but I'm not going to kill the woodchuck over it. You know, the the funniest uh, poem I can remember my mother ever telling me is, the poem about the woodchuck. <laughs> what, what? You know, I forget how that goes, but how much wood could woodchuck chuck to woodchuck could chuck wood? Yeah, something like that. that. One, which <laughs> goes along with how much water could a watermelon water if a watermelon could water water? Yep. And my sister's name was Shelley, so we had we lived on the ocean, so it was seashells by the seashells, like something sure. with Shelley. Yeah, the seashore. Thank you so much for those reminiscences and for sharing seeds with such us. Well, much you know, I, I, I appreciate I love, you, I love you so much, and I want to tell all those IBS people out there that red lentils and black lentils is healthier than oatmeal. I agree. I love the black lentils. They're so wonderful. Oh, my God. The blacks are the best. I just found them. I'm so happy. <laughs> love you, Susan. Good night. Good blessings. Good night. I don't see any hands raised in the queue at this time. We do have a couple email questions. Uh, Good. Like to go there? Into them. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, let me get over to those here. All right. Um, hello. I am unable to call in tonight, so I thought I'd email my question in advance and hope you are able to get it. I have been dealing with what is commonly called wedding ring rash on my left ring finger since 2020 and cannot seem to get rid of it. I have both a platinum wedding ring and a platinum engagement ring, which according to my online research, it is uncommon but not impossible for this to occur with that metal, platinum. I have tried two separate creams from my dermatologist. Both only deal with the symptoms and not the problem. I was engaged in 2016, never experienced ring rash, and married in 2018 and did not develop this issue until 2020. I have no idea why it manifested then. It gets worse in the winter. I do not get ring rash on any other finger. I try to stay fit and healthy and enjoy herbal infusions and helpful tinctures daily along with yoga and exercise. Is there anything I can try to help alleviate this? Thank you. Bridget in Pennsylvania. Mm. How I wish I could talk to you and say, 
okay, what have you used that didn't work? A couple of things that you mentioned didn't work were two creams from the dermatologist. Okay. <clears throat> Does it work if you change how often you wash your hands? Does it work if you change what your hand you wash your hands with or wash your dishes with or um so many variables that could be going on also if we were talking I could get a sense from the resonance as you spoke of um in what way a ring rash might be symbolic for you. The realm of symbols is so idiosyncratic and quirky that you can't really have like a guidebook to it. Like, oh, you know, remember the, the dream guidebooks, if you see a comb in your dream, it means this, that, or the other thing. But that's not the way, that's not the, way the, the realm of the symbols works. The symbols can be really quite individualized and... Uh, quite out of your own symbol book. But let's just cast about with it, as it were. The ring finger is sometimes called the finger of power. And there's an attack on your power. And that is causing you to pay attention to that where could we take it from there right now your attention directed toward your ring finger and the rings and the ring rash is one of disquiet and displeasure and it sounds like stress and unhappiness. Is that evocative to you of what's going on with the way you're relating to your power right now? I was just talking with someone and I uh, apologized because I didn't quite get it at first that... um, A month or so ago, when she first told me about a problem that she was having, that she had actually, like, just given her power away. And, um, but I began to see, like, all the consequences about building resentment and the, like, building anxiety and all of those things. And we were able to, to talk about it and talk about ways to, um, look at situations so that we, don't have a sense of powerlessness. I don't really know if that's of any help because we're not actually talking. And I don't know if you've tried to use any herbs to help you plantain. Of course, immediately springs to mind because plantain is such a wonderful helper for any kind of eczema or rash. And I just got in the mail from Seth that 
Catskill Comfrey his calendula plus formulated for the most adverse skin conditions. Calendula Plus is a concentrated infusion of comfrey leaf and calendula flower. A full spectrum array of medicinal benefits. Wow. <laughs> calendula offers a soothing aspect to rash like itchy conditions wherever applied. So there's a couple of things that might help you along your way to thinking about your ring rash. Thanks for asking. Green blessings. All right. And I'll remind everyone listening, if you've got a question for Susan this evening, you'll need to press 1 so that we can see your hand uh, go up in the queue. And we do have a second email question, if you would like to have that next. Yes, please. All right. Um, and I hope I say your name correctly. Dear Susan Weed, I would like to ask for your advice related to dissolving a hard mass that formed after two vaccine injections on the same arm. It is about half an inch in diameter and has not become any smaller after 12 months since the injection. Would you please recommend any poultices or other remedies that might help dissolve the hard formation that, that feels like a sour mass, but not painful. I'm 37 years old. Thank you for your wisdom. Kind regards, Anaik. Anaik. The action that we're looking for is called discutient. We think about like cuticle or, you know, hard stuff and dis to take away. Violet leaf is one of the most prized of the discutient herb, but interestingly enough, red clover is a very valued discutient as well. Interesting that in answering both of these questions, I have occasion to um, think about herbal oils, herbal ointments, herbal salves, and um, it was just... uh, reviewing the wonderful information in breast cancer, question mark, breast health, exclamation point. There's a whole chapter on different herbal oils and herbal salves and their uh, specific and general applications there. So um, what do you think? Me? Are you asking me? Are you asking yeah. them? Well, no, I'm asking you, Sarah Allen, because she's not here. Oh, okay. Oh, goodness. You know, I I do enjoy working with poultices. I've had a lot of success with those. So I I would probably go to the chickweed since it's still around mm-hmm. right now, probably wherever she is, and um, make a nice poultice out of the fresh chickweed. But I play with it. I would also boil up some fresh chickweed and make another poultice like that. And I mean, I'm poulticing all the time. I'm still poulticing my dog's bite wound, which is healing, but I have had some type of a poultice on it every single day, um, almost every single day since it happened in September. So definitely a poultice and probably chickweed is what I, I would go to first. 
another, again, another discutient, something that helps to dissolve masses comfrey is also thought of in that way as well. And I have seen comfrey dissolve cysts and other hard masses. On the other hand, um, it might be okay if it's not painful or bothersome to you, which it sounds like it's not. Um, that, again, my goal is to start from saying, how is this right? Rather than, how is this wrong? How do we get rid of it? This is a problem. Let's solve it. I'm very good at that, very good at solving problems, but I do like to just like pull myself up and say, yes, and if this is right, suppose there was something in or of those injections that the body said, stop right there, just stop right there, you're not going one step further, we're just locking you up, we're going to make a special little jail cell for you and lock you up right here near the scene of the incident, and then you go dissolving it. I don't know. We're not talking again. <laughs> so I'm not getting any of those cues or any of the any of that extra um, way that I could be with you and help you. But check in with yourself. Is this something that's a problem that needs to be solved, or is this something that will remind you of a life? that is lived day by day. As Nisa of the of Africa says at the end of each chapter of her book, and then we lived and lived. So now what? Now we have 15 whole minutes to fill. Yes, yes, we do, and I don't well, if see our, our, if our... If our guest is early, I'm certainly happy to spend the, uh, that extra 15 minutes with our guest. If not, I'm happy to spend that 15 minutes with you. Oh, well, let's see. I don't see our guest yet. Maybe she's listening and um, will dial in, but I don't see her in the queue yet. All right. So... I just looked outside, and sure enough, I have snow, too. Oh, yay! Nice. <laughs> no. Must have happened in the past hour. Mm. Right. Yes, of course, I, get, I do get home after dark. But uh, just a nice little, oh, maybe inch or two inches, but it's not snowing now. Oh, wow. It came down a decent amount since we've been talking. Yeah, just since we've been talking, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. It's amazing. That much snow. It looks so different. <laughs> ah, blanket of white covers the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know about, well, your goats didn't have it this morning, but I opened the doors to the barn and everybody just, like, looked outside and looked at each other. And <laughs> No, forget it, forget it. <laughs> I am I am doing the final revisions and the final typos on the new course, Sharing People's Medicine, uh, 26 Project Correspondence Course. 
and it's a motivational course. One of the things that I didn't really consider when I set up the original correspondence courses was that people often need motivation. I'm personally um, extremely motivated. I'm always motivating myself and feeling motivated to do things. So it just doesn't kind of occur to me that that's not true of everybody. And that's okay that it's not true of everybody. So I've you know, been looking at what happens with the correspondence courses and the people who are motivated to great with my correspondence course, but the people who aren't kind of stagger around and don't really understand it too well. So the new course is a <clears throat> motivational course. In other words, it takes you through things step-by-step at a level where you can always feel rewarded. And it's interesting uh, to do it that way. And so far, the early readers of the course are loving it. And uh, so I'm very excited about it. We're probably going to couple the release of the new course um, which will be no later than the beginning of December, um, with a sale on correspondence courses. So you can get ready for that, just in case you were thinking, what should I give that favorite person on my list who really does have enough baskets? No, no, it's not true. No herbalist ever has enough baskets, right? <laughs> so true. <laughs> motivational is there like a targeted time range that someone would finish the course in or how is it going to work well we'll see we'll see you know um we start with an introduction about people's medicine and what it is and then there's a wonderful piece called you can do it Mm. and i start by congratulating the person that they have taken this step. Congratulations for having the courage to share people's medicine. Doing something with others Mm. can be scary, and most of us have lots of reasons, excuses for not being in the public eye. Perhaps you think you don't know enough to share. You know more than someone else, even more than yourself a year ago. Perhaps you think you aren't good enough to share. I'm asking you to give self-judgment a vacation for the duration of this course. And maybe you believe that what you share is unimportant. But in fact, your experiences are the textbook of people's medicine. I invite you to get over it. Let it go. You can do it. You can get over it by getting over your limiting beliefs. First, you find them, then you dispel them. Once you get over yourself, you can get under yourself and offer genuine support to yourself. So the first thing that I want you to do is to write down any and every reason you have for not sharing people's medicine. I'm not an expert. I'll do it later when I know more, when I finish this course, when I studied more. I don't have enough time. I'm not likable enough. I'm not pretty enough. I want you to ask yourself, what do I believe? What's important to me? And I want, to ask, I want you to ask yourself, where do I focus my attention and how do I see myself? And I want you to do this for at least a week. 
when you're finally satisfied that you got your list down, now we're going to dispel and dismantle each one of your excuses. How are you going to do that? Well, you can apply pages 150, 151 in Breast Cancer, Breast Health, The Wise Woman Way to doing that. That's where I write it down. You can bring it up at a Zoom meeting. Everybody who's doing a correspondence course is invited to a correspondence and online course Zoom meeting, which happens twice a month. Or you can call me or write me about any of them. Some of them, it will be very obvious to you how to dispel it because it will be very obvious to you that it's just not exactly on the square. Now, you can use what you've discovered to support yourself as you are with joy. Use affirmations. Engage in visualizations. Seek out people who share your enthusiasm. Come to the bi-weekly Zoom meetings. And you might want to check out this free talk called Nourishing Your Nervous System with Melissa Brown. And this project ends with Susan's story of teaching terror. I was terrified to teach my first herbal medicine class. When I was told I had to teach my friend's herbal medicine class, I panicked. I I, I knew I couldn't do it. I I didn't know why, but I knew I could could not teach a class about herbs. It kind of seems strange to me. Because actually, I was already teaching. I was teaching mushroom foraging and homesteading and whole wheat bread baking at three different community colleges. I brought this up at my therapy group, and the therapist led me into a trance. In the trance, I was a little girl holding a baby duck. And I heard my mother's voice saying, if you hold it too tightly, you will kill it. And I realized... That, that what I had internalized was that my touch would kill. With the help of the group, I reassured that little girl that her touch was benign and might even be healing. I did teach that class on herbal medicine, and I really believed it would just be, you know, a one-time thing. I was just doing it for my friend. But I haven't stopped doing it in the 50 years since. I know enough. I am enough. My experiences are valid and valuable. Mm. And then we get to Project One. And we carry on from there. Project One. Share your skills. Nourishing herbal infusions. Project Two. Throw a tea party. Project Three. Share in the kitchen. Project four, share your skills. Tinctures. Project five, mm-hmm. counter fear with facts. Project six, share a weed walk. Project seven, nourish yourself. Project eight, set up a plant swap. Project nine, share with your garden. Project ten, share your skills. Herbal vinegars, aromatic herbal vinegars. Project eleven, share your skills. Herbal honeys. Project 12, share your skills. Put your vinegars and honeys together. Let's call it an oxymel. Project mm-hmm. 13, share your story. Project 14, invest in yourself. Project 15, share the spirit of the plants. 
Project 16, share with your pets. Project 17, share your skills, fresh plant oil ointment. Project 18, share your skills, dried plant oil ointment. Project 19, share with herbal crafts. Project 20, answer questions. Project 21, share your remedies. Project 22, start an herb group. Project 23, volunteer a class. Project 24, share your skills, decoctions and syrups. Project 25, share your skills, poultices, soaks and baths. And Project 26, join hands. Mm, Wow. Wow. I've been having such a good time with it. And you think it's going to be ready by the before the end of the year? You say it's it's ready now. If you'd stand a typo or two, but we're going through and correcting them. Wow! How exciting! Oh my goodness! Matter of fact, that's what I was that's what I was doing just before the show was to just to get up. It's like up. Oh, you know, how did that S become a capital S, you know, at the end of a word? That was just little typos. Mm-hmm. But, wow, you know, so cool. But I'm fussy about stuff, so I, I like it to be, you know, I have, you know, two people looking over the whole thing for typos. And then I'm also going through and, you know, jiggling the photo, the um, illustrations a little bit. Justine and I just went in, you know, and just like, bam. Have put in those illustrations before she left. Um, so now I'm going back and like, oh, maybe I can make this one a little bigger. Maybe I can make this one on the other side. Maybe I should flip this one. Just playing around with it, having a good time. Nice. Yeah. Wow, it's amazing. You just you're you're always amazing. <laughs> I love it. As I said, I really I have no problem with motivation. I have just have an in, internal motivation that uh, is so such a, a rich source of uh, delight. So I'm happy to uh, share this. Did, did you feel the sense of as we got through the as we went through the course that that you were getting stronger and stronger and able to do better and better things? Yeah, definitely. Most yeah. definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then also, you know, like each each project has you know kind of sub things that you can do in it, which are stars. And when you collect a certain number of stars, you can get um, a PDF of one of my books or an MP3 file or a variety of different things. Wow! How tremendous! So, Very exciting. Uh, very exciting and lots and lots of fun. And here we have gotten to nine o'clock. Yes, and I do see our guest. Our guest tonight is the first female lineage holder of her distinguished Vedic tradition, Acharya Shunya, is an internationally renowned scholar, teacher, author, speaker and scholar of non-dual wisdom, Advaita, from India, a classically trained master of yoga and Ayurveda. She is the founder of the Awakened Self Foundation and the non-profit Vidika Global Incorporated, 
platforms headquartered in Northern California. And that empower, educate, and inspire a global community of students through online courses, workshops, and retreats. And these conversations are furthered by Shunia's top-rated podcast, Shadow to Self, an award-winning author of international repute. Shunia's most recent book, Roar Like a Goddess, Every Woman's Guide to Becoming Unapologetically Powerful, Prosperous, and Peaceful, was published by Sounds True September 2022 and is now available worldwide. Welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And, of course, we're especially interested in your new book, Roar Like a Goddess. Can you tell us a little bit about it? It's a book that teaches all women and really any person who feels disempowered to own their authentic voice. And that's what the roar is about. And... uh, we want to roar like a goddess because I connected finding that true voice, that true power to ancient Hindu goddess mythology of goddesses like Durga and Lakshmi who are really getting known worldwide and they're worth, they're worth taking a few lessons from because they have really powerful stories. And the book is really then a Hindu feminist book but it's a book that talks to people um, no matter their gender, their culture, their beginnings. Because if in the present they are not roaring, this book will help you roar. Tell us a little more about how it's set up. Is it pretty expostulatory or are there things for people to do, um, meditations, I grew up in India, and here there is a tradition of magical storytelling. And these are stories of the goddess. And it is said that as we hear the stories, uh, a divine feminine power starts waking up inside each one of us. And uh, this book contains those stories. And as a result... As we read through the book, um, I provide the story, I unpack the symbolism and the relevance for the international reader of today, and I also include case studies from the empowering um, and awakening life of my students worldwide. So we have case studies of women from different parts of the world, contemporary women, who've used this ancient wisdom to wake up. So really, yes, there are contemplative practices, but really there is this story and just this deep insight into what does the story mean and what's its relevance for me today. So whether we listen to the audio book or whether we read the the paperback, it doesn't matter. Uh, The stories will do the number on you, you can say. And... uh, (laughs) The case studies and everything else will simply support your insights. And I'm hoping, really, that these insights would then... It's a, it's a, it's, you can no longer take a U-turn back to the person you were 
And so these stories are about simple topics like setting boundaries or um, putting your self-value before you value anyone else in the world first. And it's not about being selfish. It's the law that if you don't take care of yourself, you cannot really be there for another person. And the goddesses have been showing this to us, and the story brings it home. So that's what the book is about. I don't know if you know that I require every apprentice who lives with me to choose a goddess archetype and to present as part of her graduation exercise um, to present that goddess to us, whether it's from reading a, to us from a book about the goddess to dressing up as the goddess and speaking as the goddess. So I completely so wonderful. agree with you. The wow. story grabs you, and once you find that you are the goddess, there is no turning back. No turning back. So I your book so. is... Your book is Goddess Stories, stories to lure women back to their power, back to their senses, shall we say. Yeah, because then what about all the other stories that are circling our planet, which lure women to discard their power, doubt themselves, question their sexuality, suppress their voice, suffocate their inner knowingness. So we're going we're gonna to go back to the stories that have empowered women, and um, I, I tell it like it is, because India was once a deeply progressive nation because of the spiritual tradition known as the Vedas, which is uh, which is greatly empowering for women and even people of fluid genders. But then gradually, like any other country and any other part of the world, patriarchy took over, and it's not just about men being against women because um, it's either you believe in the equality of all beings or you don't. And you could be of any gender. Women too are patriarchically bent and they ensure that other women are not standing in their power. So it's not about men versus women, if you know what I mean. This is about us either being ignorant of our truth or coming into the light of our truth and roaring with it. And I'm so amazed that you, this great wise woman, ensure that the goddess is part of the herbal training that you provide. And I can't imagine any schooling without connection with the divine feminine. So thank you so much for that. I completely agree with you. Uh, as herbalists, as healers, as wise women, it has to start from our knowing ourselves as powerful beings and being willing to stand there for others as you are doing so wonderfully. Of all the things you do, what's your favorite thing? I think so many talents really in the sense of gifts from the Divine Mother. And I'm a teacher of Ayurveda, which is an ancient Vedic system of health and healing. It originated in India 5,000 years ago. 
and I'm a teacher, philosopher, practitioner, and like you, I have apprentices, and I train in the um, Ayurvedic herbology, philosophy, psychology, spirituality, because it's a holistic system. And I love that. And I, I'm i told that I have a Harry Potter school of Ayurveda. It's very magical <laughs> and very hands-on. <laughs> but then so so is my fascination for yoga philosophy and also Advaita Vedanta, which is the name of non-dual teachings from India that are really popular worldwide and some of the best-selling authors of spirituality in U.S. today. Um, they are um, teachers of Advaita, really. And so I, I, I give all this elevated teaching, and then all this time, my dear, the goddess was my private go-to archetype. She was my private practice, my devotion, my my inner strength. And then two years ago, during a goddess festival, um, I was contemplating upon the goddess Lakshmi. And then, boom, I had to write this book. And now it's on the world stage. It has done so well. And now I find that I'm talking and teaching and writing about the goddess nonstop. So it feels like <laughs> my my muse is being, you know, is is being asked to really take her name and and empower others who have ever lost their power or given it away or hidden it because they never felt safe. And because I've had some of that journey myself, I think I've been chosen to share this word and this book and these teachings. And I'm doing it with great joy, I have to say. Lakshmi is such a sweet goddess to have around. She came also very strongly to me when you um, enter my house. There's a little anteroom, and the door that actually goes into the house is a very large poster of Lakshmi there uh, from India, and then around her contemporary versions of Lakshmi that have been given to me. So she has made her presence so well known. I just look at her with her abundance and the gold flowing and, you know, and the beautiful elephants and the lotuses and just, ah, such a delight. And I often say to people, it's so so easy to know what to do um, because the goddess tells us so clearly. And you say it so well in the title of your book. She wants us to be powerful passionate and peaceful she does and and what I did in the book was then unpack what it means to be abundant both materially and spiritually and perhaps before we become abundant within our own being we have to value ourselves like Lakshmi does and so then I share her mythology interestingly in which she experienced some rejection from people around her back in the ancient days. And how did she react? She didn't react with um, spiritual bypassing, uh, pretending it didn't matter. She really valued herself enough to depart from that situation, contemplate within herself, and then re-emerge as a world goddess. And don't you think that when we 
see through the shenanigans of situations and people around us, withdraw into our inner cocoon, and then we come back stronger, wiser, and ultimately with a greater propensity to be abundant in every area of our life. Because if we stay fused with toxic situations, we lose that inner Lakshmi. And this is where I have not only revered the goddess, but also tried to walk, talk, mate, and make choices like Lakshmi. And I wonder if you enjoyed those teachings in my book. I so appreciate that. Thank you. I I know that you know of the work of Jean Shinoda Bolin. And, of course, she totally changed my life. In fact, I participated in a group that met for seven years. She had seven goddess archetypes. And we met for a week, a year, each year for seven years. And each day of our week was devoted to one of the goddesses. And each week of seven years was devoted to one of the goddesses. And, of course, we had a day that was the goddess of the week, so it was a big deal. But, we, you know, we we really uh, let the goddess flow into us and into our lives through Jean's work. And now I see, you know, like it, like here comes the graduate course that you're doing for us all. Thank you. Oh, wow. You're, the course that you took with Jean sounds fascinating and I love how it had the leisure of time because you were you could just you could just become friends with the goddesses over a big chunk of your time and how wonderful it would have been if Jean had been able to join us but Jean wasn't part of it we used her book as our guide but she herself personally wasn't part of it it was a group of um, gosh I guess we were about 20 women you simply, um, you know, ha- had connected through something that you may not have heard of called the pathwork, which is non-dual. And, um, oh. the, you know, when Jean's book came out and several of us read it, we, then we said, uh, we must pursue this further. This is, this is along the way of what, what we're doing. And I know that each one of us um, was, as you said, opened to an aspect of herself from which there was no turning away. Yeah. 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 And for so long, we've been only exploring the masculine gods. And, 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 and that has been a blessing, too. I don't want to pit the masculine god against the feminine god because that's <laughs> ridiculous. Life of is life. I, I, that's what I'd love. That's what I love, especially about the other gods and the goddesses of India. There's so many, right? They can do just about anything they want. Um, They don't behave too terribly badly. Not at all. Not at all. In fact, some of the Greek and Roman goddesses were really, you know, especially the Old Old Testament beings. I mean, really bad behavior, gang. (laughs) So these gods and goddesses are representing light. They're representing the truth. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. And it, and it takes both to turn the milk uh, to create the universe. So true. 
and that's why we also have gender fluid gods and goddesses because the teaching in the ancient scriptures is that that light, that truth, that great supreme consciousness cannot be limited to a body. The body is merely an expression. And that's why we have countless gods because you can have countless expressions of that one infinite all-pervading truth. And But it's such a pleasure to have goddess archetypes for women especially. And even for men who are ready and mature because when they discover that feminine archetype within them, they can at last relax because patriarchy does a number on men too and and tells them things like men don't cry and real men don't show feelings, which is not true. And we are all her children and we are all embodiments of a greater truth that allows us to be whole. And that's why I was hoping that roaring is, that's why I have three kinds of roaring, the roar with power, the roar of pleasure, and the roar of peace, so that we can all ascend in our consciousness, really. Oh, yes, yes, so absolutely perfect. You had a not-for-profit organization that you have created. Could you tell us a little bit about what caused you to do that and how that works, what goes on with that? In India, typically spiritual families and traditions, such as mine, and I come from a family that traces its roots to 2,000 years ago in India, and all my ancestors have been spiritual teachers. And the tradition typically was that uh, we are givers of knowledge, imparters of greater wisdom, but we do this with a spirit of service. And philanthropy is an important part of our devotional practice. And that's why Vedika Global was one of the first organizations that I set up almost 18 years ago in California, and through which we did many, many things. We held free classes and workshops. We sponsored Ayurveda yoga clinics across California, in India. We even taught in prisons in California. We just uh, gave and gave of knowledge and also assistance in terms of clinical support for Ayurveda, where we could. I trained many, many students over over like 10 to 15 years who are now become Ayurveda yoga practitioners in different parts of America. And Vedika Global uh, continued to inspire me to, to really to really represent the values that I grew up with, the value of giving back, the value of being there for the marginalized communities. And then Vedika Global gave birth to my next organization where some of my senior students and I got together. We created the Awakened Self Foundation, which benefits from all the modern technology out there. 
so that we can live stream classes and workshops. And the Awaken Foundation has um, students in every continent today. And um, I think like Vedika Global was my foundation, and Awaken Self is the greater global expression, really, of what is possible today with thanks to technology where a teacher, her books, her teachings, and the ancient message um, relevant for modern times can be disseminated without obstacles. Yeah. Yes, I mean, what an amazing time we live in that even 75 years ago, people would have had to travel to the far reaches of the earth to get these teachings. And now, no matter what their ability, they can receive them. That is so Thank true. You. Thank you so yeah, much. That is so true. For, well, for embracing that yes. and saying, yes, okay. yes, this is, the, the teaching is to be spread. We're here for love, we're here for joy, and uh, spread the word. Well, well, I want to share, I want to confess that when I started out, I was more of a typical teacher who wanted her students to be sitting in front of her. I wanted that one-on-one encounter with which I had grown up and studied at the feet of my guru. But it is about embracing. You use that word. And gradually I realized as my books became known worldwide that why should I shut out the student who's sitting in Australia or England or China even? And I should use the technology because this is service and this is a human achievement and from that perspective I did then consciously embrace the era and the technology that belongs to this era and um, and I'm so glad in looking back I'm so glad that I shed my inhibition or my um, traditional thinking to embrace the new way and become a part of that new wave and uh, so you really you really touched something when you thanked me for embracing it because yes it was a decision it didn't come to me right away I had the very great privilege of living in New York City in the 60s when the great masters from India sent people to New York City when the great yogis oh. and the great gurus were all sent over. And for me to actually encounter that and to see the arc of that and to see, you know, those seeds that were planted, you know, those, all those years ago and to see how well the mycelium has grown to knit it all together. So that it becomes um, this, a worldwide thing. It's not just this little tradition exists in this little place, but there's something that you have that we can all benefit from. That is so true. And some of the greatest teachers from India have traveled worldwide. And so following their example, 
and the consequence of their willingness to travel and to give and to connect with people worldwide is that we have an eclectic spiritual movement that's taking over United States and our world really. There is mm-hmm. a new consciousness, a new hope, and there is an intermingling of traditions and masters and teachings. And I'm really excited for humanity. Are you? Absolutely. You know, I said to my my teenage granddaughter, just turning 15, I said, oh, I said, it's, you know, it's never a good time to turn 15. I said, this is, a, this is a particularly fraught time to turn 15. I do apologize. On the That's other so hand, true. on the other hand, there's a lot of really great stuff going on. There's over a million organizations devoted to preserving the earth and its life forms. Not just a million people, but a million organizations, quite a few of which have more than a million people as part of it. Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. gathering together as, as, as never before through teachers like yourself who offer us ways to be present with ourselves and to use our technology for this greater good rather than to awaken people's paranoia and awaken people's fear to awaken people's joy and awaken people's power. Thank you. And uh, coming back to what you were saying, if we have a problem, we have the solution too. And it's up to us to look for it. And so, yes, the environment is in a mess. And I can believe it that in the 21st century, women still have a second place on our planet. We don't have the equality that we deserve. But I'm really excited because I found that along with my book, I've been discovering voices such as even yours where where there has been an ongoing um, emphasis upon what is true and what is right and what where must we where must we come in what must we come into what must we become what what permissions we must give ourselves so i'm feeling very excited for humanity over the coming 50 years especially for women i feel yeah. like things will change and when I looked at the women in Iran literally coming out of the streets and cutting their hair and saying, no, enough oh. is enough, it just, it just oh. made me right. shout out with joy. <laughs> I, have, I apologize for being negligent and not asking you before to tell people how to get in touch with you, please. Well, I'm sure you'll be sharing my name. And I have a website by my name, acharyashunya.com. I, my, my, my second organization, awakenedself.com. You can go to that one. You can also go to vedikaglobal.org. And so either way, you can find me with my name or through the names of my organization, awakenedself.com and vedikaglobal.com. I also have social media handles by my name, Acharya Shunya. Thank you so much. I am excited.
excited. And part of that excitement is that I believe that we are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. And as you say and as you are meeting, there are many, many threads in this reweaving. It's a, a reweaving that um, is like the growth of a mycelium, quite wild at its heart, but absolutely wise. And the deepness and length of the threads that you bring to this weaving are real anchor points. I want to thank you very much. And so sure, and these threads have been conveyed to me through a ancient, timeless, and effective tradition. And it's my duty to take them forward, really, because these have been gifts of karma and a greater cosmic feminine divine consciousness. So as, begin the book. Yeah. as we come to the very end here, what do you wish to leave in the hearts and minds of everyone listening to you? I first want to thank you because I experience, just through talking to you, your incredible strength and what a blessing you are to women worldwide. So thank you so much for having me on your show. I also looked up your website. You've been doing incredible work. So I felt like, wow, I'm meeting a roaring goddess woman. And uh, I just want to say to our listeners that uh, don't give up on yourself. And I hope my book will assist you in finding your true voice, your true dreams, and giving you really practical tips and insights into magical stories which once read or heard will never let you go back to that dark place again. My blessings to all of you. Thank you. Green blessings. And thank you, Sarah Ellen, for helping me restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. And to all of you who are listening, green blessings and good night.